This is the Indesa Members Memo, a podcast of the National Drug and Alcohol Screening Association. Indesa is 100% member-owned and is your industry voice. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Indesa Members Memo. My name is Joe McGuire, and I am the Executive Director for Indesa, and today I am so excited to interview Barbara Baker and Gian Marshall with the FMCSA, or Federal Motor Carriers Clearinghouse. Um, and ladies, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. We, we Thank you. Uh, uh, we are so thrilled um, to be able to get to interview you today. It's this is just, um, I, I mean, everything's been building and building. Maybe in my own head, I don't know. But um, so many little things have gone on with Clearinghouse in the last few weeks and months, and uh, tons of questions um, have been, you know, discussed on Indesa Town Hall. And I brought them to you, and and we decided, hey, let's do a a webinar. Um, which we are recording in two days. And um, folks are signing up for that like crazy. Of course, webinars with you are, are always just completely a packed house. So that's a lot of fun. And then um, I thought, you know, why don't we also do a podcast because it's just another way to get the word out and educate. And that's what we are here for today is just to educate people. So um, why don't you guys introduce yourselves and tell us, who you are and what you do for the clearinghouse, et cetera. And um, I'm just going to go in alphabetical order. And no matter how I do that, Barbara, you're first. <laughs> All right. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Joan. Thank you, Indesa, for, for having us and giving this opportunity to come on both podcast as well as the webinar. Um, we're really excited to help continue getting this message out and getting everybody, you know, all their questions answered and everybody straightened out. So I am Barbara Baker. I am with FMCSA in our compliance division. Um, and I am supporting the clearinghouse and just kind of helping with a lot of the behind the scenes stuff and getting the clearinghouse up and developed and maintained. Wonderful. And Gian? Hi, everyone. My name is Gian Marshall. I am the FMCSA Drug and Alcohol Clearinghouse Program Manager. So um, just to give you a little history, Barbara and I have been partners in crime uh, for the last several years, uh, working on the development and the implementation of the clearinghouse. Um, so I just continue in the, in the position of leading the clearinghouse team in um, the operations and maintenance of the clearinghouse, you know, making enhancements, improvements, and uh, working on the education and um, outreach uh, initiatives. I, I just have to tell you guys that, that when <clears throat> it was like the year or two leading up to Clearinghouse and it was all the buzz and everybody was talking about it, um, I, I had been to like six different conferences where um, it was presented and I was so confused. And at the time, I was in a position where I would, you know, be working with it. Of course, now I just tell people about it, but I don't ever have to like actually log in or anything. Um, but I, I was just like, I couldn't, I don't know. It wasn't clicking in my head. And then there was a conference where someone was presenting and Gian, they brought you up to, to do Q and A. I don't know if you remember that. And um, that was the first time I was like, oh, okay, I get it. And I started explaining it to people the way you explained it. And they're like, oh, 
that doesn't sound that hard. <laughs> and, and, and then, um, Barbara, I think the first time I saw you was literally at one of our regional events. Um, <clears throat> I had heard of you, but I hadn't actually like met you or heard you right. speak. You guys brought, you, the two of you brought so much clarity to this. I literally felt like almost an expert except for without the hands-on experience. <laughs> just like no 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 and i have quoted you like no barbara and gian say that no barbara and gian say this so right to me you are the ultimate and um and when people get information that i think sounds weird i run it by you and you're my authority so i just want you to know all my eggs are in your basket ladies thank you we do try very we try very hard to um make sure that as we explain things the functionality of the clearinghouse the different roles that we try to use plain language so that everybody can understand mm -hmm. exactly what the purpose mm -hmm. of the clearinghouse is why there there is a clearinghouse and how they're going to um interact with the clearinghouse and uh, and use it so Absolutely. thank you for the affirmation that we're doing a good job in that well, and speaking of doing a good job, so in a nutshell, um, and if I, if I don't do this nutshell very well, um, you can correct me, but in a nutshell, it is a national database for CDL um, drivers that qualify for the drug and alcohol testing program, um, wherein positive test results get recorded. So there's a repository um, so that if, if a, a future employer um, or a current employer go and, and um, need to check that history. It's, it's no longer just relying on the last employer or the employer before that or the employer before that. There's a place to go and see if there have been failed drug tests for those who need to um, get you know, evaluated and, and do the follow-up and return to duty testing. Or that's backwards, but return to duty and follow-up. Um, is, that, is that like the... Yeah. The only thing I would add is that in addition to the positive test, it also includes refusals as well as alcohol concentration above 0.04. So that's something that we're um, maintaining in the clearinghouse. So <clears throat> I know that I'm just personal experience. Um, I know a few truck drivers in my life. And, and I know that when this was initially um, put out there or coming to fruition, um, there was some controversy. Some people were like invasion of privacy, this, that, or the other. I never understood that argument because this is about public safety. And if you're doing what you're supposed to do, then, you know, it's like, to me, I always think of it as going through TSA. I have no problem going through TSA to say I'm a safe passenger and I want to be a safe passenger. Um, but I know not everybody feels that way. But regardless, tell me uh, about the efficacy that we have seen in a very short time. Are we rolling up on two years, right? <clears throat> I mean, there. yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell me about the efficacy um, that, that we are already seeing from, from tracking this data. It's so, um, go ahead. You go ahead. <laughs> um, we do post data um, onto our website on the clearinghouse slash learn page. And if you scroll down about halfway, there is a monthly report. And the latest report was posted just a few days ago, I think the end of last week, that does show some of our numbers. But in terms of just kind of recapping some of them, we do have over um, two and a half million users that have registered. And that includes all of our users, drivers, employers, um, 
consortium third party administrators, uh, substance abuse professionals, as well as medical review officers. So that's over two and a half million users that have registered. We have over um, almost 55,000, just a little bit over that, violations that have been, oh, actually it's 95,000 violations that have been reported to date. Um, and that includes positives as well as refusals. So that's, that's, that's a lot of violations. And the fact that before the clearinghouse, a lot of these violations went un undetected. A lot of them are pre-employment violations. And previously, um, those violations would come up positive or there'd be refusals. You would know about them. Drivers would, would hop between different jobs. Now we're getting those reported and recorded, and those drivers are then going through their return to duty process in order to get whatever education and treatment they need before they get put on the road. Isn't it eye-opening? <clears throat> um, I mean, I don't want to assume all of those would have been slipping through the cracks previously, but I bet a majority, I bet there's a good chunk um, that would have slipped through the cracks and, and could have caused threats to themselves or public safety had we not had this information. I mean, that is, that's just overwhelming to me. Wow. Um, what, it, it just shows what a, a, an amazing um, amount of data this is and the work that's gone into it is so worth it because it tells a story. <clears throat> and um, I think that um, this, the timing of Clearinghouse has coincided with state laws changing for the legalization of not just marijuana, but some states, several drugs. And uh, I know I'm from Colorado, as you guys know, and in our state, I hear from <clears throat> some of our local collectors on a regular basis, like, you know, these guys tried to cheat their test and I was so shocked because they're a CDL truck driver and they know better and they know, um, it, it, we all assume they know better, they know better, they know better. But I think that depends on the quality of training they've had. Um, it, is the, the school that they're going to, are they being clear about this or the employer or whomever? And I think there's some gaps in that information because I have seen for myself sometimes a driver is completely and utterly shocked about what do you mean i can't use cbd um what are you talking about i live in a legal state what is, what you know and they're they are legit like um astounded and i'm astounded that they're astounded <laughs> so this just gives us a um another opportunity as i already said to to educate and inform um, those drivers, uh, and, and also to help get them on the right path. And one thing that I've always appreciated about DOT, and I'm going to go back to Clearinghouse in a second, but I very much always appreciated the, um, the course of action of get an evaluation, and is this an educational opportunity, or is it a problem that needs treatment, and then getting the driver the help they need to get them to return to work. This has never, ever been um, about fire everybody, <clears throat> which um, employers have the right to do. But we, we definitely at Indesa try to stress the model of investing in people and, and getting them on the right path. So um, thank you for being a part of that important work as well. So um, speaking about efficacy, which is fabulous, anything else that you want to say on that before we go to the next topic? So. Okay, just say it's working. 
Yeah, it's working. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do want we do want people to view the clearinghouse as a tool rather than a you know uh, rather than just a means of taking enforcement against drivers sure. employers you know we do want people to view it as more of a tool because it is sharing information it's making sure that the drivers are off the road if they do have a drug or alcohol violation so that is the most important aspect of it and and just being able to have ease of getting the information rather than trying to go through the uh, the rigmarole of of the manual investigations you know we do still have another full year and a you know slightly a year and a half left of requiring the manual investigation but we're getting to the point where that portion of the requirements greenhouse is going to have all that information available Excellent. I really love that you stated that point of it's a tool rather than quote enforcement. I think that's a great way of looking at it. And, um, and so I, I really appreciate that you brought that up because boy, is that not the truth? Now, um, let's, let's be honest. Um, the, the rollout was not a hundred percent flawless on the part of everybody users included um, as if people can make something hard or difficult or find a way to not um, do it easily, can we? And you guys have learned that firsthand in many ways. I just have an email that I got this morning from someone who was like, okay, here's my question. And I'm not going to ask it right now because I'm literally going to email this one to you. But they're like, okay, I got these errors. And there's like six errors printed in there. And the first question is, how did this happen? <laughs> my first question is what did you do but <laughs> um but i see that all the time is um people don't read the how to they don't you know they haven't been to a training session I, and i i have to admit i can't be a harsh judge on that because that's my personality i dive in and then read the directions later i can never criticize any man in my life because i'm the worst at not asking directions or reading them <laughs> Um, because I'm pretty sure I'm smart enough to figure it out first. And then I put the cabinet together completely upside down and I have to take it apart. I just did that. So, um, you know, there, there have been bumps in the road, which is why we've called on you so many times to clarify, explain, train, teach. Um, here at this stage in the game, how do you feel it's going? Are there things that you're still seeing that um, need to be addressed with people like, like common errors or do you think we're, it's going pretty smooth and you're not really seeing many? Where, where are we at with that? There's a constant group of people that are new, right? So mm -hmm. one of the things that we realize and we will acknowledge is the fact that not all the employers are registered in the clearinghouse, right? So we understand that we're trying to continue to go ahead and get the information out to the um the users that should be registered in the clearinghouse, you know, it's just a constant educational um, type effort that we have. And because of the fact that there are people who are not registered, they just find out about it, you know, it, it's teaching them. So we do still see a lot of the same issues that we saw relatively in the beginning. Um, 
as we continue to go along, I think I mentioned it kind of before, is, is that we're always looking for ways to improve the clearinghouse. How can we streamline um, some of the things that the employers, the drivers, you know, the third party administrators, those folks do so that it's easier and better for them. And so they don't run into the road bumps. So we're always asking for feedback. We're always interested in hearing, you know, people's opinions of how we can make it better. We can't always guarantee that we can do exactly what it is that they want done because it might just um, impact a smaller group of people and it might have a greater impact on the functionality of the clearinghouse. But we do like to hear feedback because we are always wanting to improve. And then the other thing that we're always looking for information as well is what, what do you want to see? What do you want to hear from you know, the monthly reports that Barbara was talking about a few minutes ago, you know, we're presenting, um, you know, some of the higher level information. Is there other information that users are interested in hearing about uh, people in the industry? Is there a way we can go ahead and share that information without, you know, um, uh, violating our requirements under the rule? Mm -hmm. So we are always, always looking to do improvements. Uh, we can't say that the clearinghouse is perfect exactly the, as much as I want to. Right. <laughs> we know that this is just an evolving um, system, right? We didn't perfect when we implemented. There was some things that needed to be improved when uh, we did implement. And I think we've made improvements along the way. Is there room more growth and development? Yes, absolutely. Uh, abs you know, that is so well said. And the reality of it is this was a massive project, absolutely massive. To roll something out on this scale nationally all at once. It's not like you got to start with a state and then bring in another and another. I mean, it just went national on a day. And, um, and then, of course, even though everyone had a certain amount of time to enroll, everyone tried to enroll in the first three days and just like <laughs> crashed the system. I mean, it was, it, it, it was ginormous and it still continues to be. So, you know, I, I congratulate you on the fact that you, you guys always respond with so much patience and grace because I have seen personally, that people do try to beat you up, you know, like, um, verbally, I, um, I hope no one's tried to actually personally, you. Um, I don't want to be misunderstood, but, but, I, you know, I've seen you get verbally, um, attacked uh, on occasion because people are frustrated that there's an error or, you know, sometimes it's user error and, and it, you know, it's your personal fault and you have to be held responsible and fix it. You all have always had so much grace and patience and kindness. I know that you are definitely both the right, the right individuals for this job, because I don't know how um, you do that every single day. So I'll, I'll put that plug in there for the two. But Thank you. Lately, now, <laughs> lately, it's circled back a little bit to, you know, we were going along fine. I didn't even address Clearinghouse for about six months because everyone's doing great. And then all of a sudden, there's a little change um, that has caused, oh my goodness, it's caused weeks of my town hall, my weekly town hall meetings um, for Indesa to for people just go, what? You cannot be serious. You must be lying. That cannot be true. So, <laughs> um, 
<clears throat> so from my understanding, um, there was a court decision um, that has caused a change in how student drivers get entered into the clearinghouse and um, how they are treated um, when they are in driver school and have their learner's permit. Um, let's dive into that and have you guys explain um, what that whole situation is, because I think there are a lot of people who are still unaware of this. I mean, even though we've put the word out in town hall and said some things here and there, you know, I mean, we may reach a few hundred people, but we're definitely not reaching the thousands to millions that are in, in the whole, you know, across the nation. So can we talk about that? Sure. So I'll go ahead and start and Gia will jump in with anything that, that I'm missing. Um, so I think one, one of the key things is to remember that the clearinghouse is just for CDL and CLP commercial learners permit and commercial, drive, uh, commercial driver's license holders. Um, so we do see things, you know, from drivers who don't have those credentials yet. So that's kind of the first point to mention that if they don't have those, they shouldn't be going for a DOT FNCSA test. Um, only DOT FNCSA tests are reported to the clearinghouse. So those are kind of a couple of things to remember going in. Um, in terms of student drivers, student drivers are not considered employees of the driving school unless they're actually hired by the school or released a CMV from the school. So, for example, if I'm, you know, a driver and I'm kind of, you know, maybe I just graduated, you know, college or high school or whatever it is, and I'm looking for a job and I decide I want to become a truck driver and I go into a driving school that day and, you know, apply and I get accepted to the school and I'm going to start driving. I'm going to get my CLP. I'm not affiliated with any motor carrier. There is no employer-employee relationship between that school and myself. So I go in then as representing myself. On the other hand, if I get hired by a motor carrier, and that motor carrier puts me through training school, whether it's their own in-house or it's an external um, third-party school that it puts me through, then there is a relationship and the employer that I'm hired and that's paying for me um, is my employer. There's an employee-employer relationship there. So that's a little bit confusing, but for the, the ones that are in a training school, those student drivers essentially represent themselves. So what we did in our last release of the clearinghouse is that we added a new registration path, um, and that's a student driver path. So for those student drivers that are not affiliated um, with an employer, they would go in and register as a student driver. That path would take them through registration, um, and essentially those drivers are registering as an employer. They're gonna get through the path where they're going to have to designate their consortium third-party administrator, um, and they're going to put their own name in as the carrier. The CTPA can be the school if the school decides that they want to take on that role, um, or it could be a separate CTPA. The CTPA would be responsible for the testing and reporting. Um, the drivers, the students would be required to meet the drug and alcohol testing requirements as defined under 382. Um, they would need to have a policy as well as educational materials on the DOT drug and alcohol testing. Um, before those students start operating on the roads, uh, you know, once they have their CLP, they would need to have a pre-employment query and that can be done by their CTPA that's designated. Um, so the, the TPA can conduct the pre-employment query. 
they can also, the TPA can also direct the employee for their uh, pre-employment drug and alcohol test. Um, the students would also be required to enroll in a random testing pool. Um, and this would be for the duration that they're students. Once they graduate and are no longer students, we're working on a set of instructions that we'll go ahead and publish once they're ready in terms of how to essentially graduate and convert from a student driver to either a driver or an owner operator, depending on what path they go. So stay tuned and that will come out. Um, for now, the best course of action for those that have graduated is to go ahead and reach out to us at clearinghouse at dot.gov and we can go ahead and help convert your account um, to either the driver or the owner operator role. Very good to know. The, this is, it really is a big change. Gian, were you going to add something? I was going to just add one piece of information is, is that if the school decides to be the designated CTPA for a student driver, they must register for a second role in the clearinghouse. So, you know, they're still the employer for any of their instructors. So they're still registering as an employer in that aspect. But then if they're going to function as a CTPA for a student driver, they need to also register as a CTPA. That makes so much sense. Um, and, and I had not heard that before. So that is a good point to bring up. Now, when, when changes like these go into effect, do you feel like you at, on your side um, have good communication, lines of communication with the schools to um, inform them of these changes? Or are you heavily relying on associations like ours to get the word out and the um, TPAs who are the, you know, um, providing services for the schools. Do you, do you have a feel for that? We, we are needing our partners, our industry partners to help share the, the messaging. Um, you know, we do have limitations in who all exists. So we don't know of the smaller CDL schools. Plus there's also the technical colleges that are offering CDL programs. So we don't have a consolidated list of all of those um, companies and the organizations. So we're, we are relying on our, our partners and our, you know, the, the staff in the field to be able to reach out and, and touch people and also communicate the message. Barbara, were you going to add anything? Yeah, I mean, we do send out emails when we have new releases with this information. So there, there was one that came out from the clearinghouse with, with notification. We do know that um, a bunch of our uh, industry partners have sent out either the same or similar messages. So we do appreciate and thank um, those, those partners for, for doing that. Um, we do continue to look for additional means to contact um, and to, to reach those. One of the things with the student drivers, especially, is that those are people that are new to the, the world of truck driving. So reaching out to those folks is certainly a challenge and something that we're working on and continuing to, trying to improve. We are looking at increasing our social media presence and making sure that we're getting the word out because it is such an important thing in terms of the whole drug and alcohol world and testing, not just the clearinghouse piece. The reason I ask that is because I want everyone hearing this podcast to understand that we need them to spread the word. We need them to talk to their clients and, and um, share this information. And, and it's not just a gee whiz, oh, that was good to know and go about my day, tell someone. 
<laughs> that that is um, in this in this world. So that um, word of mouth, grassroots, like you said, social media, any which way that we can um, share and and uh, enlighten folks is helpful. Now, um, I'm going to pull out one thing that you said, and and probably the sort of the last thing that that we'll cover on this. Um, I mean, you know what, guys, we could podcast uh, on for hours and hours on this whole clearinghouse topic. But, um, you know, we try to keep them within an hour. And so I could ask you questions all day. But I really my goal on this one was to try to kind of drill down on this topic, because um, it's not that it is necessarily confusing. It is that what I'm hearing the most is, um, I don't believe you that that change was made. Kind of reminiscent of two years ago when I heard, I don't believe you that I have to sign up for the clearinghouse. But, <laughs> um, you know, it happens. So um, it's not fake news. This is real. Um, so one of the things that people keep thinking that I have misunderstood is that the student driver needs to have a policy that's the big one that that people are kind of go okay i was with you until you said that and now um the the general response is quote there's no way now i i think there is a way we just need to open our minds up and think about this do you view this as the school should have a standard policy and issue them or the you know whoever's providing that education Issue, you know, help issue these to the drivers. Um, what, what is, do you have any idea of how that looks um, on the practical side? And, I, you know, we certainly can't give direction in terms of you must do it this way. Right, right. But I think your suggestion is a great one. I think the schools can certainly help out in terms of that, that sort of standard policy that the drivers can then go ahead um, and adopt or adapt as needed, but it doesn't have to be, you know, overly complicated, mm -hmm. you know, 70 page policy or something. something simple that hits upon all of those different requirements that are spelled out in the regulations. I think that's where people get hung up because I do believe that when I've heard um, this issue brought up, it is typically from those who help write policies and they're very thorough and they include all the state laws and da, da 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 So it might be a little hard to wrap their mind around something streamlined, simple, <laughs> let, let's say beginner level, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. So, um, so just clarifying and verifying that I heard that correctly and I'm not making that up in my head or um, changing a definition of what you said. <laughs> Right. And, you know, I would just refer back to regulations under um, 49 CFR 382-601-B12. Um, so that's 382-601-B12. Um, that kind of outlines all the different information that's required to be in a policy. And mm -hmm. just keep it simple and make sure you have all those contents on file for the, for the students to have. Good. I, I love Anytime the um, source is referenced, it's so helpful. So thank you for that. Now, um, I did. I have had one question recurring, um, and this one I did email previously. Um, and I, it's going to go off the topic a little bit of of um, student drivers, but it has been a recurring question, and we'll probably talk about it again on the webinar. Um, but folks seem to be having trouble with understanding what to do 
when a driver changes companies, how to um, switch that in the clearinghouse and bring them over into a new company. And um, I, I would save it for the webinar only, but I'm, I'm not kidding you, probably um, 13 or 14 people have reached out with that same exact question just worded, you know, in different ways over the last month since I announced we were going to do that. So again, to use every tool in the toolbox, can you explain, um, I know we don't have any visuals on a podcast, but can you explain um, in, in the simplest of terms how you can change a driver from one company to another when they change employment? So a driver isn't actually affiliated to a, an employer in the clearinghouse when they register. They're just an independent person, right? So if I was to register in the clearinghouse, I'm just a driver. I would enter my name and all my CDL information. And um, once it's entered and validated, I go to my terms and conditions and my registration is complete. So I'm not affiliated to an actual company. I don't list a company name. That's... You know, owner operators, that's slightly different, right? Because they own their own company. But um, so when I get, you know, I apply to ABC Trucking and they do a query, I approve the query, they get the results of uh, my record in the clearinghouse. I'm not prohibited. They hire me. I'm, I go ahead and stay with them for a little while, decide that I need to move on. And now I want to go to XYZ Trucking. Um, XYZ Trucking is just going to go ahead and do their query on me. I'm going to get uh, get the query request. I provide the consent. XYZ Trucking gets the results. That's all, that is the only way of a driver and a company is linked together in the clearinghouse, but there's no actual tie. So there's nothing to change when a driver moves from one company to another. This sounds to me like at the root of this issue is uh, maybe our are complicating it on our side. So I think um, I will bring that back to our members to get some clarity on how we may be um, convoluting <laughs> this issue. <laughs> I would I would also add to what G said is that drivers when they're registering they're recommended to use a personal email address and, you know keep in mind you could get them from a variety of different carriers and it's free so that when they are changing companies they don't lose their access and if they driver refuses or the only email they have is a company email address if they do need to delete their account and re-register with a different account the information will go with the driver because it's associated with their CDL it's not associated by email so if I'm changing from ABC, you know, at ABC trucking to at XYZ trucking, if I'm re-registering, my prior careers and violation information would come with me because my CDL stays with me. Oh so my gosh, that might be the mind. key, Barbara, that might be the key right there because I think um, when you said delete it and then re-enter it, I think we all have this fear that if we delete, that's the end of all things. Like we've just completely ruined a system, but that makes so much sense. Um, so that, okay, that was just like a little key to the kingdom right there. Perfect. <laughs> okay. And then another piece of information as well is, is that we get questions from employers saying, um, 
you know, Barbara Baker doesn't work for us anymore. How do I remove them? The Barbara Baker is not removed from their query history because that's a record of that query being conducted during her employment with them. So just remember that you're not actually removing those drivers because you still have to maintain that um, history of the appropriate queries being conducted. Um, so, you know, so the basic question is, you don't remove a driver <laughs> on that side, on the employer side. Another great point. See, this is why I love these conversations because um, I would not have thought that. I, I you know, um, so I would have sent you the question, okay, how do they remove? And maybe I have. Um, so, oh my gosh, that is so um, enlightening. Those are the the whole um, webinar is worth. I mean, podcast is worth those two tidbits of information right there. So, um, I love it. Well, um, is there anything else as we come to kind of the end of our our recording time that we have scheduled today? And again, we could go on and on. Maybe we'll do it again. But um, is there anything else that you have seen are um, big reoccurring questions that you'd like to clarify or information you'd like to get out there? Um, that you are seeing that I haven't mentioned? I think one of the biggest things that we have is a driver who does test positive or they have a refusal, a test violation in the clearinghouse. They're starting their return to duty process. Um, and so it comes to the point where it's time for them to get a negative return to duty test. Somebody needs to send them. So it's just really important for the drivers to understand that they need an employer to, to send them for a return to duty test. Um, there is some misconceptions out there that the substance abuse professional can send them for a return to duty test and that's not the case. And that causes a lot of confusion. The other important piece of information it, with the negative return to duty test is that uh, we get questions about, well, I took a negative return to duty test, my employer sent me, but I'm still prohibited. The biggest um, thing that causes an issue in the negative return to duty test from linking to the driver and showing and changing their status to not prohibited is the fact that the negative return to duty test may have been before the SAP determined eligible for return to, return to duty testing. Mm -hmm. And so if the those events happen out of sequence in the clearinghouse, it's not going to get linked automatically. Okay. So, um, you know, so it could be that the staff never determined the driver is eligible for return to duty testing, or those dates just got out of sync. The SAP either just needs to correct the date that they reported, or or the employer needs to actually send the driver for a new RTD test. Absolutely. Um great information because you're right this has been something that has um circulated here and there in conversation usually there's someone there to explain that um so it hasn't kind of gotten to next level where i've had to reach out and say nobody knows the answer to this um so that's great clarification g thank you very much i really appreciate that too um so um it can be either um, manually corrected or another return to duty test ordered in the correct order. Okay, good. And heads are shaking. Yes. <laughs> we are looking at each other. Um, so, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> all right. Wonderful. Well, listen, um, ladies, I cannot tell you enough how much I appreciate you taking this time out of your incredibly busy schedules. Um, I know podcasting with us, is some, this is new territory for you and, and probably, at, oh my gosh, what, are, what in the heck are we doing here? But um, 
our our listeners have really um, given us some great feedback on how helpful it is just to refresh on the way to work in the morning or on the way home. Like, oh, I needed to know that. So um, hopefully we will do that for them. And also, um, you know, share this with um, ATA and Women in Trucking and all of those wonderful organizations as well that could get this information and hear it. So thank you for your openness and your willingness and um, your the information you share and once again um your just your style it's it's always a, I, I just have to repeat it so gracious and you are there to answer questions um give us the email address for where to get our questions answered um so that people can can reach out when they have those questions Sure. So they can send us an email, clearinghouse at dot.gov. And if you forget that, if you go um, ahead to the clearinghouse website, there's a contact that includes the phone number as well as the um, form that you could just fill out and send a message and, and you'll get an answer. That's right. Clearinghouse at dot.gov. It's that easy. Um, so, <laughs> and um, the turnaround time isn't bad. You know, I know some people think, uh, I, we just all kind of have this tendency to think, oh, well, that'll go into, a, you know, where there's a thousand emails and I'll never hear back from them. But you guys turn them around pretty quickly. So, and they are going to you. It is not like a robot or something. There's, <laughs> you guys are answering um, those emails. And yeah, so, because I'll have, I, I do get uh, a lot, um, uh, I wrote to Clearinghouse an hour ago and didn't get an answer. Can you tell me how to get a hold of Barbara or Gian? <laughs> so like, you know, give it a day. <laughs> um, but you guys usually are like within a business day or two, you're back um, with the response. So thank yeah, you for that. There's certainly some things that are more complicated that will take a little bit longer, but we, we yeah. do have additional staff on board that's being able to answer those questions relatively quickly. Oh yeah, because if something requires research or let's dig into this and find out what are we actually, you know, what are you actually asking and what are we actually answering? Um, so again, we're doing the webinar and I want to make sure everyone understands that um, any education that we do um, with any of the DOT modes, uh, which include Clearinghouse, are free. We do not charge for those. That is a service provided um, technical support from uh, DOT to us at no cost. And so we are not um, asking for any kind of overhead on that. Um, so anybody who wants to join that, or if, you, if you're listening to this and you missed it, um, you can still register and get the recording. So um, that will be on the Indesa website at indesa.com and go to the um, training tab and click on webinars. So um, ladies, once again, thank you so much. This has been fabulous. Um, let's plan on doing it again at some point. And um, thank you for all that you do. Um, thank you so much, and I look forward to talking to you again very soon. Thank you, Jen. Thank you for having me. Yep, absolutely. This episode of the Indesa Members Memo is sponsored by Orisure Technologies. Orisure offers testing products for drugs of abuse and alcohol. The Intercept Oral Fluid Drug Test is the first and only FDA-cleared oral fluid laboratory-based drug test for the nine most requested drugs of abuse. Intercept is simple to use with an easy collection procedure and a collection time of only five minutes.
While being the number one recognized brand in laboratory-based oral fluid testing since 2000, the specimen is collected on site but is then sent to a lab for testing. Companies get the convenience and immediacy of oral fluid testing, but also solid and defensible lab results. You don't sacrifice the accuracy of reliability of your current testing program. You simply eliminate the need to collect urine. Indesa is proud to have Orisher as our first official sponsor of the Indesa Members Memo podcast. Thank you, Orisher. Check out their website at www.orisher.com. Thank you for listening to the Indesa Members Memo. Subscribe to hear all of our podcasts and join Indesa to access all of our professional industry resources. Visit us at ndasa.com.